Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Schaefer's Market Mashup. It is Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. I love this time of the year. Uh, I'm a big planner, goals-oriented guy, so I like to revisit the last year, look ahead to the new year coming up. And yeah, it's just a really exciting time because you get to reassess your outlook and everything. Um, and I think there's no better partner to do that with than SIBO Global Markets. Uh, these are the folks that I started this podcast with back in 2020. So for today, I've called up one of the OGs, Henry Schwartz, who has a long title here. And let me just rattle this off just to start. The Vice President, Global Head of Client Engagement, Data and Access Solutions at SIBO Global Markets. Uh, I am bringing him back up to the big leagues after a two-year absence. Henry, how the heck are you? I'm great, Patrick. Um, thank you for having me. And, and I, I agree. I think it's a it's a fun time of the year because we're kind of in the home stretch. And um, you know, for people like us that spend a lot of time looking at data, uh, you know, we we can kind of finish our forecasts and we know we're going to be right because <laughs> there's only a few weeks left. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, I'm happy to happy to join you. So. Your last episode, I, it was crazy to check, was November 2nd, 2020 on VIX and election volatility. <laughs> really? So, yeah. So obviously nothing has happened in the last year regarding that or two. <laughs> um, but that is kind of where I want to start today and look back on the last two years to really assess what has and hasn't changed. In well, the, I, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it more specifically, like in the options trading world. Uh, well, you know, that it's funny because we had a risk management conference in October, and I was talking to uh, one of my associates here, Kristen Boyd, who uh, used to be at Credit Suisse, and I said, you know, what what should this, you know, what should my topic be for this uh, presentation? And she said, well, nobody's gone to any conferences for two years, so how about what's changed in the last two years? And I was like, well, that's excellent and, and easy um, because so much has changed but uh, so and it's really funny to think of kind of like you know end of 2020 you know we were deep into kind of the uh, the retail volume explosion uh, you know kind of meme stock mania was um, well underway um, and so uh, and I'm looking at some of the data from um, from that year. We you know we finished at around seven and a half billion contracts total volume that year for the industry, which was up um, around 30 percent from the year before. Right, the year before we've been just under five billion contracts, and you know kind of since then it's 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 been off to the races, right? Because mm-hmm. in 2021 it just continued, and you know we had a you know that bull market that kind of started at the bottom, I guess, of the the 2020 COVID crash, uh, you know, did not slow down in 2021 at all. And so 2021, we, we, we finished around 9.87 billion contracts, which uh, was another, uh, you know, 40, 47% growth, I think, over, um, over the year before. And now, you know, towards the end of 2022, we're looking at uh, we're going to finish around 10.3 billion contracts. So first time over 10 billion. We had a few days at the beginning of this year that were over 60 million contracts in a single day, uh, which is kind of 
you know, phenomenal because you know you don't you really don't have to go back that far, like into the '80s, and you had uh, you had years that were 60 million contracts. Mm-hmm. So, um, incredible amounts of growth, and and you know, there's also some interesting changes. Um, you know, we had the like 2020 and 2021 w- was this retail wave. And, you know, there are a lot of stories about Reddit and um, Robinhood and all that kind of stuff, right? I think everybody, you know, and, and I guess with the, you know, people working from home for COVID, people had a lot more free time on their hands or, um, you know, they got into the trading game. And then this year, 2022, is a pretty different year. You know, the market's not going to, doesn't look like the market's going to finish um, positive on the year, that's for sure. And, um, uh, you know, option volume is still growing. But it's growing in a, in a different way. Yeah, so I actually had that post that you put on LinkedIn uh, highlighted here for the guide. So thanks for you know cl- knocking that out right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean think about five billion in 2019, correct? Yeah. And so now it's essentially doubled in three years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, more than doubled. Yeah, more than doubled. So yeah, we we there's been the shift away from as you said the meme stock mania, the retail wave, uh, but you know things are still going up, and I think that was a question that a lot of people were wondering in 2020 of you know when the bill comes, and as it did in 2021, are people still going to have this interest in these contracts? Well, th- that's absolutely what. Uh, I think everybody was concerned about, right? Because, you know, that's, you know, we look at the data and there's plenty of kind of anecdotes, right? About people, you know, making, you know, crazy amounts of money, long calls, you know, in, in some of these meme names in 2021. And, you know, that activity, uh, I, you know, I think all of us kind of professionals in the business, you know, we're a little uneasy about that, right? Because it doesn't feel like, responsible trading that we that we you know we really believe is the right way to approach market however when you look at somebody who's you know speculated with some capital and managed to you know get some crazy return on it you also have to kind of say well you know people are free to do what they want and uh, if it worked out you know it's hard to tell if they're you know lucky or if they're smart um, but but you're exactly right the, the the concern this year has been you know okay how you know, people that made money long calls in 2021 uh, and 2020 certainly did not uh, make money long calls this year in general, right? That's the market's down on the year. And so the question is like, so does that, what does that mean? Did they blow up their accounts? Did they, you know, kind of take their ball and go home? Um, Or did they expand into other strategies, right? I mean, the the beautiful thing about options is uh, there are trades that, make money when markets move certain directions, but then there's also these non-directional trades, right? And there's, you know, complex orders that are really not that complex, right? You know, people, it, it's easy enough to get your get your head around a vertical spread, uh, whether it's on, you know, an index product or an ETF or a stock, and become comfortable with the risk profile of that trade. And so, uh, you know, the big question is, okay, how many of the retail accounts that were active, that, that learned options during COVID, have learned how to continue trading profitably uh, in a sideways or even a downward market? And, you know, the data shows, you know, that you know, we, we look at the 606 reports that, are, that come out from the retail brokerage community, 
and they show um, actually some some pretty pretty rich data on uh, exactly how many contracts per month uh, you're seeing from you know a shop like Robinhood or um, TD Ameritrade or um, you know even even Schwab or Fidelity, and we see that volume decreasing since late 2021, but it's still well above where it was in 2020. So those accounts that are using these uh, these you know kind of retail brokers. Uh, seem to still be trading. Uh, they just, you know, some of them have pulled back or maybe the, the trading accounts are just not quite as active as they were. But, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, and, and then you, you look a little deeper into the day, you're like, okay, fine. So we know that the, you know, this, the, the leading retail brokers are doing less contracts. However, we see more contracts trading in the market. So it's got to be coming from somewhere. And, um, you know, what we see is that the kind of the more traditional option users have stepped up their activity, right? COVID was a really weird time. Like we saw, um, you know, clearly saw a whole new crop of uh, self-directed traders jump into the market and small trades. Uh, but we actually saw a decrease in this kind of high-touch institutional brokerage, right? The the kind of you know, 5,000 lots for some concentrated equity position that needs to be hedged or somebody wants to over, you know, do some sort of overlay on. And that volume has rebounded uh, in kind of the current environment, which kind of makes sense because you know, when the market's just screaming higher, you know, in, in a way, um, you know, most people are making money. And actually, it's, it's, it's kind of tough on the, you know, the institutional trading community because, uh, they're not really able to add a ton of value uh, because everybody else is also making money. So you get into a situation like now where, like, you know, look, you know, there's, there's some pain out there, right? You know, we may only be down, uh, you know, 14-ish percent from the highs uh, only. It's better than we were. Um, but there's there's plenty of very popular uh, names that are down 70 percent, 80 percent. So... Um, you know, so it's become more of a stock picker's market. It's become um, more of a market where you kind of need a whole bunch of strategies in your arsenal to succeed because, uh, you know, there's kind of times this year that premium selling has worked really well. There's times this year that, uh, you know, that you actually did, you want, you know, you would have been better off being long options. Um, so it's, I think it's just, you know, it's kind of shaken a lot of things up. And I, I think to me, that's, that's, the good thing about a, a you know a, a correction like you know like I think we've had is, is it kind of you know it does weed out things that should be weeded out you know some of these stocks that shouldn't have been at, trading at thirty dollars are back down to two dollars um, but there's also pockets of um, you know pockets of value stocks that you know that kind of have done really really well so it's it's I think it's just it's an environment where where you need the the entire kind of you, you need multiple approaches to do well and you know with options uh you know it's, it's i would say there's kind of an unlimited number of strategies out there in a way because um you know i think the last i looked we have over 60 over 6020 underlines with options on it that was another one of the other records this year uh and about a 1.6 million contracts available between all the new expirations and all the strikes that are available on those 6000 underlying so uh you know a crazy amount of kind of possibilities and then i think the challenge is you know for 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 the trading community for the brokerage community is how do you help customers kind of find the right trade for them when the amount of choice is is you know kind of insane and i think if you look at the number of expirations available in 
uh, you know, something like SPY nowadays, it's, you're, you're pushing 40 different expirations. So, you know, the, the old guys like me think of options in terms of, you know, like a you know, call and put montage where you're scrolling through strikes and mm -hmm. expirations. Well, do that for 30, 35 to 40 expirations and hundreds of strikes. And it takes takes minutes to kind of get out to the, you know, the, the term that you're looking for. And that's, um, it takes a different approach to uh, basically help a customer, you know, who might know the general characteristics of the trade they want to do. Uh, you know, it's up to all of us to say, okay, cool. So we understand this trader is looking for this kind of a risk profile, uh, whether he's trying to get long or trying to get short or trying to do a, a trade that, you know, that, that will do well in a sideways market. Now, how do we show them which trades fit that uh, and also which trades are, are smart? Because, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, I spend a lot of times looking at the quote quality and, you know, I love having more and more expirations and strikes because, you know, for an options geek, that lets you create this incredibly rich, you know, volatility surface and term structure surface. More data is great. However, one thing that you'll notice is like even in a really liquid product, you might be like, okay, well, you know, something like Apple, uh, you know, there, there may be a certain kind of quote width in the four-week expiration, and then in the five-week expiration, it's must, much, much worse. And then in the six-week expiration, it's fine again. So how do you make sure a customer doesn't accidentally get into a trade in that kind of expiration that's, that has really poor liquidity? And so, uh, you know, technology can help you do that, and that's what, you know, that's what we spend a lot of time doing at, at SIBO. It does feel oddly prophetic, especially when I had SIBO guests on in the last 24 months, because we talked about this exact same thing about having different strategies in your arsenal. We brought, you know, we had people on to discuss the mini options and uh, and a lot of stuff actually we'll get to here uh, shortly. But the like short dated options, index and ETF volume, you know, stuff like that. We we have, we have been banging that drum. For the last 24 months and i'm not afraid to you know pat ourselves on the back there and say like look this is what was going to happen when it became like you said a stock picker's market um so just briefly in, in these last 24 months when you when you're tracing it back what are some watershed moments that highlighted this shift to where the landscape is now well i mean there have been um I mean, you can't ignore the the kind of this, this incredible surge in short dated option trading. That it's not a brand new phenomenon, right? Like I have a couple slides I, I usually show at the conferences that show uh, what the um, you know what percentage of the option activity was taking place in uh, you know 30 days and shorter expirations, right? And then you know, and then as we list, as the industry created weekly options, you know, and those were basically rolled out for most liquid products, um, people people started trading them. Like like you know, people used to trade the third Friday because that was the the first expiration that was available, and that was always the most popular expiration anyway. But I don't think anybody was quite ready for the fact that you know, if you list a seven day option, um, you know, a one week option, that you know, that all of a sudden went from um, you know, basically trading like 25% of the flow in the short data to, you know, 40% of the flow. And then it, it's kind of just, it, it just kind of steamrolled from there. So now you have, you have zero day uh, contracts uh, in SPX uh, specifically, 
but you also have Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Spy, and um, you know you have shorter day contracts and other products too. And this the zero day flow, which is meaning options that expire today, trading today. So you know you know a call that expires at four o'clock today, uh, you know buying it or selling it right now. That now in SPX can make up 45 to 50 percent of the activity, which is which is extra interesting because you know this is SPX is a four thousand dollar index, right? So it's a very high notional uh, value product, ten times uh, more or less ten times spy. So uh, it's typically been a very institutional product, right? Money managers love it because you know you can hedge a billion dollar portfolio. You don't need that many contracts, so you know, it controls your commissions and uh, you know, the trade sizes don't don't feel crazy. Um, what we've seen in the in honestly in the last six months is because when when we added the Tuesday and Thursday expirations and we already had Monday, Wednesday, Friday, those have been around for uh, a little bit over a year. Um, the activity just continued to like, it really actually exploded on the Tuesdays and the Thursdays, even more than the Mondays and the Wednesdays and the Fridays. Uh, in part because it, it, you know, traders seem to be very comfortable with those days. You don't usually have economic releases on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so to see half of the volume, you know, record levels of volume in, in the indexes, um, uh, uh, in SPX specifically, and to then to see so much of it hitting in the short data contracts is really interesting. And it has, I mean, at this risk conference, that was kind of what people were, were spending a lot of time talking about because a zero-day option, so I'm talking about an option that expires in four, five, six hours, um, that that creates it, it's it's a different animal from you know what we all I think grew up with you know like oh look here's a you know here's a three week option let me feed it into my binomial model you know or my Black Scholes and let me change the dividend assumptions and let me change the the volatilities and you know the option kind of moves like you'd expect and everybody gets familiar with the Greeks and Delta and the Gamma and all this kind of stuff but when you when you say okay let's try this for a you know a three hour option. Everything, a lot of those assumptions that that people make when they're valuing a three-week or a four-week option or longer, which already are assumptions. You got to remember, you know, the assumptions of Black Scholes, you know, continuous hedging, you know, constant volatility, um, uh, you know, the interest rate is is not going to move on you. you. Like those those assumptions are all assumptions. And actually, in 2020. You know, especially in kind of COVID, we saw how those assumptions can can surprise you, right? Because um, you know that, that they're an assumption; they're not a, they're not a truth. Uh, you know, they're not they're not like physics, and so you don't usually worry about like, well, what if we, you know, what if the market moved 10% in a dislocation, right? Where where just like you know, you blinked and all of a sudden the market had moved 10%. Most of us would say, "Oh, that's impossible, right?" Or, or even think about the way that you know the, the meme stocks were behaving. Like, you know, if I said, "Hey, what's the chance of IBM tripling tomorrow?" You'd be like, "Well, there's there's no chance." <laughs> I mean, there is. I you know, I, I'd bet my life that's not yeah. going to happen because it never happens. However, in 2021, we saw. Well, you know what? This there are stocks, and there's not just one stock out of a blue moon. There's actually a bunch of stocks that can you know can surprise you with a, a 300, 400% up move. And then on top of that, you had these weird things happening like implied volatility not doing what people would have expected, right? Like the, one of the best trades to make when you saw some of these meme stocks tripling, you know, over a two or a three day period 
was actually selling puts because as much as you could look at that stock and go, well, this is crazy. Like, you know, it can't possibly be worth five times now what it was worth three days ago. Nothing's changed. Um, but the, it turned out that basically because of the way that, you know, the volatility exploded with it, the, the best trade out of all of them was, hey, you can actually sell a put. The stock would crash right back down and that put would be absolutely would lose money. The, the put would decline in value because um, because of what you know volatility was doing. So you know, I, I think that you know people that have been trading over the last couple of years have learned a lot in terms of how markets can behave. And then um, um, you know, and then and then like I said, getting into these these short dated contracts where the assumptions are just I guess the assumptions are the same, but but the behavior is very very different. And it's a whole new area for people to learn how these instruments work. I think it's you know I think it actually works pretty well for alternative approaches. And we're seeing some of that. We're seeing researchers basically look at them and say, yeah, well, you don't want to use the same option model for a one-day option that you do for a 30-day option anyway. And um, it just creates all sorts of all sorts of opportunities. So I mean, I, I look at the zero-day flow, which you know a lot of people um, you know I'm hearing the same thing. You know I've heard about other kind of you know big kind of shifts it's like oh well this this is unsustainable this doesn't make any sense it's like you know what if it's trading a million uh to you know to even more a million and a half contracts a day then something is it's it's serving a purpose uh that some traders appreciate and are, are continuing to access the product for that reason mm -hmm. there was a financial times article i think a couple of weeks ago where i'll, I'll have the stats here in a second but the term that i like best was at bats is these zero-day contracts, they give you more at-bats and more diversification. Uh, but what I did want to ask you is what, what, I, what I saw was, I think they said zero-day for S&P 500 was at 1.5 million a day in November. Uh, and that was almost more than double what it was in January of 2022. Uh, why is this happening in like basically like the last two quarters of the year? Is there any rhyme or reason behind it? Well, it's it's the um, the addition of the Tuesday Thursdays, which they came out in uh, I think they came out in May, mm -hmm. but it does take a little bit of time for kind of traders to to, mm -hmm. to find them, and you know really start to use them as you know kind of part of their approach to the market. Um, you know, so I mean, we, we were I was just looking at some some great kind of uh, volume trend stats with uh, an associate, and you know the 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 last few months have been you know. Just extreme, I and mean, we're, we're you know record levels, and they're they're persisting. Whether the market's going up or going down, which is also kind of interesting, because you know usually we used to have the record volume days when the market was was crashing, yep. and people were panicking, and they were forced to trade, and they were forced to liquidate. Um, the two the the two highest volume days of this year, as I said, were over 60 million contracts. They were both up days. So um, it's a it's it's a different. Uh, I honestly think it's a different use case for these zero days. It doesn't seem to be cannibalizing the longer term flow. Um, you're right in that the number of at bats, um, you know, is is higher because you know a one day option, you know, might cost a dollar, and the same strike in a you know in a one week might be four dollars, and in a one month might be you know twelve dollars. Um, so you yeah you can trade three times as many, I suppose. I don't know if that's really what we're seeing. People size up just because the premiums are lower. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, these products have, 
have become very popular, and also brokerage, you know, brokerage commissions are as low as they've ever been. Mm -hmm. You know, in some cases, zero. Mm -hmm. Those two things go, kind of go hand in hand. So you've you've taken almost all the friction out of the market, not all of it. And and I, I'm, um, I think people still need to be careful and not just trade, you know, for no reason at all. But I'll tell you that it it does kind of make um, scalping, you know, basically buying options and maybe starting to take profits. Uh, you know, even if you've only made a dime or, or 20 cents, uh, that used to not make any sense when you were paying maybe, you know, 11 cents commission or something uh, on each direction. But, you know, now when the commissions are, are so low, we see plenty of trades where somebody will, you know, buy, you know, 400 contracts and then they'll just kind of play around and day trade them basically. Um, and, you know, maybe they keep a position of 100, but they're trading in of into 400 and then they're trading out of an extra 300 so all of a sudden now you've got you know you've got 7 or 800 contracts for a 100 yeah. contract position and that's we see that we see that all the time because you can see it if you look at the volume followed by the open interest mm -hmm. um not so much on the zero days zero days are are you know a, a funny animal in that there is no open interest data the next day and most of the activity is taking place on the the, the final day um, so you get to use um, kind of some cool flow models to try to estimate uh, what positions are kind of remaining out there. It's, it's actually, I, I'm telling you, it's, it's, I've done this for a long, long time, and like it's one of the, the zero-day contracts are the first very new. Um, you just you can, you can you have to take a you have to you really have to use new approaches to them, and that I guess is that that's the whole point is. Um, I think that traders like it because, you know, you look at a one-month option, you fit a nice volatility curve. Maybe you trade, a, you know, trade a spread or a ratio spread or something like that. And th those trades are are still, you know, important. And you know, they're nice and kind of um, they're the traditional way to do things, right? Is you, you put on a trade, you have a view, you have, you know, you have a, a game plan, and you manage that trade. The zero days. They behave differently. Um, they they just take a different approach, and um, I think it's bringing in a kind of a whole new crop of traders. I talked to one shop in Chicago, um, a liquidity provider, and I'm like, hey, what do you guys think about these zero days? Because it was kind of somebody of my generation, and I'm like, I don't, you know, they make me a little nervous. You know, it was my first reaction because, like I said, zero day options. Like one of the worst trades I ever did was when I was at Solomon Brothers in the 90s, some broker called and said, hey, I, I want to buy, you know, 10,000 puts. These expire tomorrow. And I said, oh, okay, well, let me put it in my model. And my model said they were worth 30 cents, and he paid me 40 cents. And I'm like, well, that's an excellent trade. And then then, then the next day, the market didn't crash, and I got, got away with it. So I got to keep whatever, $40,000 in profit. And my, my the more senior guy that I worked with. He looked at me and he saw it on the sheets. He's like, "Did you do a trade yesterday selling 10,000 of these little puts for a day?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "I said, but it was great trade. It, you know, it was a 36 vol and our model said it that was, you know, 7 vol points too expensive." And he's like, "You don't understand. That's not a hedgeable trade. If the market crashes, you're not going to you're not going to hedge that in a dynamic hedging kind of mechanism like we do the rest of our stuff." And it it stuck with me because I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, so value is is a very different 
um, concept when you're when you're looking at these short data trades. So, and the, then the other thing on the at bats is is the other thing that's really interesting is there's not a lot of track record of of zero day situations, mm -hmm. right? That's like, what I was going to say is yeah, there's no data to back this up yet so far. Right, except that the data the data is accumulating really quickly, which is cool. That's so true. like, that's true. You know, you can now say, hey, and and I I talked to a researcher at um at a, a Swiss bank. Uh, about this a little bit, and she said that they were, you know, their models were showing this, you know, this kind of trade was making a lot of sense. And and I was like, well, how many days of data are you looking at? And she's like, well, you know, we only have whatever, you know, 160 data point days to start with, but this was four months ago, and and you know, so they were looking back in in time at the Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and so, you know, it's it's a new frontier in terms of, you know. You want more data? Just just wait. You know, after at the end of the month, you've got another 20 days of, of data, and the data set's not that big to begin with. So, um, I just I think people are are kind of they're figuring things out kind of in real time based on the fact that this is such a new it's a new product, but it's not a new product, right? SPX has been around for 30 years, um, but this type of kind of <laughs> dynamic is, is pretty much brand new. Yeah, it really will be fascinating to watch and track in the next 24 months. Uh, and that kind of does lead to the wrap-up question here is, you know, we've been talking a lot about the past in the last two years and everything like that. It's time to pivot. It's time to look ahead. You know, we've got 2023. It'll be here before you know it. Uh, you know, give a quick summary of, of where you see options trends going. Like you, know, you already alluded to a lot of it with the, with the zero day, but anything else that you, you're you're monitoring as we enter 2023? Well, I, I mean, you you have to, uh, and I don't, I'm not. I swear, I'm not just kind of promoting Stevo products, but um, because I've been in the business for 30 years, I've been with Stevo for for two and a half years, but the. Uh, the the minification of um, contracts, meaning, um, and zero days in a way is, is 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 along the same lines, right? It's a smaller expiration, mm -hmm. so it, you know, part like related to that is the fact that you have smaller contract sizes. So, um, you know, SPX, like I said, it's a four thousand dollar index, uh, and you know, SPY everybody's familiar with, right, is, is one-tenth of that. There is XSP, which is SPX divided by 10, so very similar to SPY, and that also now has the, the Tuesday, Thursdays, and, uh, you know, so effectively the daily expirations. Um, that's seeing a, a nice big uptick in, in option volume. And then there's even the, you know, we, we listed these a product called the Nanos, which is the first one multiplier option contract. And it's also based on SPX, but it's SPX divided by 10, so it's the same underlying as XSP, but it has only a contract multiplier of one. So if you see an option that's offered at $3 and you want to buy it, it's literally $3. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's new. Uh, I think that its um, volume is, is relatively light. I've traded it myself. I think it's an incredible learning um, tool because... You know, you trade a three lot, and like I said, if it's three dollars, then you've spent nine dollars in premium. You get you, you and it, but it's still it's a, it's an option contract. It's going to do the same thing that the big option contracts mm -hmm. do. And you know, I mean, I swear, I tell people like you know, instead of buying like a six dollar latte at Starbucks, um, you could buy it. You know, buy a straddle. You could buy two lot of calls or puts and manage them, and um, and start to get used to like, okay, I understand now how you can. You know, instead of losing six dollars on your coffee, 
you can buy an option. If it turns out, okay, I understand now the market didn't move. I see what decay feels like. Um, you know, what if I had done this as a spread or something instead? It's, it's all um, doable. And I think you're going to see, and we've also seen, you know, in terms of the same concept, we've seen, you know, the, the 20 for one stock splits in some of the big names. I think you're going to see more of that because um, you do have, you know, a, a larger user base of traders, you know, options and stock that have small accounts. And, and you have the vendors, you know, the brokers that are servicing them, right? Like, you know, Robinhood's a good example, right? Their average account size is much, much smaller than, say, a Fidelity account. But they have a big customer base. And, um, you know, they, they basically just want products. And, you know, the, the listed option world is also, you know, conscious that we're competing against, say, the crypto world where, you know, the, the increment sizes are kind of abstract and you can trade uh, down to the tiniest sliver. Kind of abstract? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of abstract, kind of, who knows if they're even legit. Yeah. But, um, you know, so the, the, I mean, I think it's, it's exciting to see the industry, um, you know, the industry's always kind of played with innovation, right? New, whether it's new ways of executing or new products, new indexes, new ETFs, and there's just more of that. I mean, the, the, you know, one of the reasons the listing count is up to 6,000 is because of this, all these, you have new stocks and IPOs and, and that, but you also have a lot of these active, these target outcome ETFs, which are basically ETFs that have optionality as a, as a primary feature. So, you know, think of basically saying, okay, I want to buy SPY, but oh, by the way, I want, I want my downside 10% hedged. Uh, there's an ETF for that. And there, or there's an ETF for that that you know says well fine we'll buy a 10% on the money put and we'll also sell a um, you know a 7% on the money call to, to defray the cost of the put uh, that brings option behavior you know to 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 accounts that are like you know eh, I don't want to trade an option but I but I do like the idea of not having to worry about the market crashing uh, tomorrow so that that's a trend that we see, and and it's funny they use a lot of them use flex options, which is a, its own little niche within the industry where you get to pick the expiration and pick the strike price. Um, and some of these actively managed ETFs use flex options to get that payoff profile and just kind of you know lock it in with a nice you know uh, you know AAA credit cleared product, and um, customers like it. Well, I mean, I, I I've already thought of the title for the uh, for this episode. It's it's Henry Schwartz's State of the Options Union. This is <laughs> this is literally you know you 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 have, you have covered virtually every aspect of the industry there, uh, and obviously you can you can keep going. But I think that's a great place to to stop it there. Uh, Henry Schwartz again at Sebo Global Markets. We we can't make this a two year thing now. We we got to have you back on maybe at the six month juncture of 2023 to have you check in on everything but um as we wrap up here i'm going to include some links in the episode's bio do you have anywhere uh listeners or yeah do you have anywhere listeners could go to learn some more uh beyond just kind of like the sebo.com but like wait, wait point us in the right direction uh i would still point people to sebo.com but then once you get there um Navigate to the um, the Options Institute, which is the learning um, kind of arm of SIBO. Uh, there's some tools there. We actually power kind of a delayed little uh, market activity scanner that's that's um, an offshoot of TradeAlert, which is you know which is what I kind of started out with. Um, 
I think that um, I, I would go there. I mean, there are, you know, I mean, you know, you guys at Schaefer's have great uh, learning resources too. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I, I've, you know, what I was just talking about is all kind of, this is all, this is all brand new for the last couple of years. Uh, but, you know, a little bit of a bigger picture, you know, the, the platforms and learning tools that are out there for customers to learn options has never been better. So, you know, I would say, you know, use your head and don't, don't, don't follow the, the get rich quick gurus, um, do some homework. But, but like I said, that, you know, the fact that there are these small products out there means that you can actually, you know, you can do some experimenting without risking thousands of dollars. And, you know, people always kind of learn better when they have some skin in the game. So, um, you know, I would say, you know, pay some attention to, um, to, you know, the resources out there and then don't be afraid to kind of, you know, tee up a, a really basic trade, uh, take notes, you know, make sure you have a plan when you go in and, and what you're going to do, whether the market goes up, down or sideways and, um, you know, and start trading. Yeah. Experience is the best teacher. Absolutely. All right, Henry. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll get you out of here. Uh, but hopefully we can chat about this in the, in the, in the future. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Take have care. Have a great 